Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi guys, welcome back to Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today we have a very unique episode because my guest is Micah Meyer, who is an entrepreneur, etiquette coach, and author of two best-selling books. She's the founder of Bermont Etiquette and co-founder of the Plaza Hotel Finishing Program. So in this episode, we'll be discussing modern etiquette, and I'm sure all of us can benefit from this and refresh our knowledge. In this episode, Micah and I will be discussing how to create the best first impression, how to become the most loved guest at the party, what are the main points for first date etiquette, who should pay in the first date, what should lady order, what is the business etiquette, and so many other great tips. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts, and don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram. It's Not Basic Blonde underscore or NBB podcast. Hi, Micah. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. You have such a unique and great background. Thank you so much for having me. I, you do too. I was, I was going through and kind of turned into a rabbit hole looking at all your amazing content. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm back in my office in New York City. So it's, it feels weird because it's, you know, it's for so long we weren't in the office. So we're, you know, slowly getting back and we're just in a by Central Park. So it's a beautiful location and just feels nice to be back at work, you know? 
Yeah, I love New York. I miss it. And now it's Fashion Week, like New York Fashion Week, and I'm not there. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, let's, next time you come, hopefully the Plaza Hotel will be open again. And that's where I spend about half my week training. So you have to come be my guest and I'll take you for tea. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe next Fashion Week, right? Pencil yeah. Yeah. And I'm so excited to start. So let's dive in. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Micah Meyer and I teach etiquette. So essentially I um, kind of travel the world teaching people. It could be like a private individual or people can come to the Plaza Hotel and take a group course. And I teach etiquette meaning general manner. So it could be social etiquette, conversation topics, dining. Um, everyone kind of thinks of the movie Pretty Woman with etiquette. Um, and that's part of what I do and, and polishing people and making them feel and look more confident through learning manners. That's great. And etiquette is never discussed anywhere in social media. I don't know why, but everyone's <laughs> trying to stay away from it. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm constantly, you know, it's, I always say so many people on social media could use good etiquette. Um, but I'm, I'm chiseling away. I'm getting there slowly, but surely I'm hopefully, hopefully making an, an impact. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how did you decide to become etiquette coach? Well, I actually, it came out of, um, it really came out of an insecurity, a personal insecurity that I had. I, um, I grew up in a very kind of middle-class background in Florida. Um, my father is an immigrant from Barbados. Um, you know, we had, we, we were just like a average middle-class family and I moved to New York city after college and then, to London. And while I, while I started kind of working at some really amazing companies, I realized that everyone around me kind of ate in a certain way and dressed in a really elegant manner. And all of these things that I had no idea um, how they all knew these, you know, these tips. So my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, he's Swiss. And so he was saying, he was like, Micah, you have to go to etiquette school. You know, you're getting further up in your career and you don't want to embarrass yourself. So it was out of insecurity that I took my first etiquette course as an adult. And I was mind blown, like mind blown on what I learned. And, um, and I couldn't wait to take my second one and third one. And eventually, um, you know, I, I trained underneath the former member of the Queen of England's household staff in England. And I went to a Swiss finishing school. And I really just started teaching, you know, for, at first my friends. And they were, you know, fellow expats in London. And then my friends in New York. And before you knew it, I was kind of taking off vacation um, at my job to teach courses, like group etiquette courses. And that was it. And I kind of knew that there was something there and there was a business. I'm always working. My brain is like a constant entrepreneurial um, path. So I'm always thinking. And that was kind of where we came to. And I was like, wait, you shouldn't, like, this is a dying. Everyone thinks you can't take etiquette classes anymore, or it's only in movies. But once you learn it, you, it's like, it's the greatest thing. And uh, so I started teaching and then I opened up the Plaza Hotel finishing program with my company, Beaumont Etiquette, in fall of 2016. And here we are, um, you know, six years after I opened the New York office. That's fascinating. And you also wrote books as well. Would you please tell us more about your books? Yes. 
So I wrote two books um, and both of them actually came out this year in 2020. So the first one is kind of my baby. It's, it's called Modern Etiquette Made Easy and it's Secrets of the Plaza Hotel Finishing Program. Um, and that's the yellow cover book. And that is kind of everything from all the training that I took over, you know, years and years and years. Um, I kind of took everything that I thought was the most, like the most interesting, the most impactful, and I put it into one book. So it's almost like a cheat sheet to etiquette to make you look instantly more polished um, through this one book. And then my second book, and it's gender neutral too. So it's for men, women, it's for any gender. Um, and then I, and age. And then the second book is business etiquette made easy. So it's kind of like a series and business etiquette made easy is, you know, my experience over the past, you know, um, years with some of the biggest companies in the world and helping internally teaching their corporate teams and all my learnings of all the things that, people do wrong. So you don't make the same mistakes yourself. And from email etiquette to social media, to your LinkedIn profile, to your interviews, to your, you know, dining. And I put in one book. So it's kind of split into the social etiquette and then the business etiquette. Um, so it's, yeah. And, and they're really easy kind of everyday tips. I'm very interested and very inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And from the expert, we would like to hear, how do you create the first best impression? So, okay. So this one, I actually have an entire chapter about this in my book, the yellow book, Modern Etiquette Made Easy. And really, I kind of split it into kind of the seven steps and the seven things that people notice instantly about you. And so if you can learn these things, you can become sort of a social chameleon. And I always say, you know, for instance, one of the, th one of the tips is when you walk through a door, a lot of people, if the door is closed, they walk through the door, they open it, they turn their back to the room and they close the door and then they turn around. Well, if you have seven seconds to make a first impression, which is, is statistically what you have, um, you know, your backs to the room that you're walking into. So instead you walk through the door and you never turn your back to the people in the room. So that's one thing. And I also kind of divide what, you know, people notice about you when you first walk in, you know, whether it's like your watch or your shoes. So you can kind of identify all of these first impression indicators so that you can make the best one. So I kind of like lay it out in steps, um, that way. That makes sense. Totally. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, my whole, my whole method is through steps. So, you know, it's like, okay, once you graduate from the first chapter, which is how to make a first impression, then you can move into the second one, which, you know, is like finishing details and like looking the part. And I always say, you know, don't fake it until you make it practice it until you become it. And I think that is, that's, you know, that's a quote for my book. And it's something that I really believe in. So it's like really getting it down. And I kind of just teach you. So the book kind of feels like you're, you're talking to a friend, hopefully, and, and I'm like your big sister, kind of coaching you along the way. Hmm, that's nice. And how do you become the most coveted party guest? Okay, so this is all down to charisma and conversation. So the I actually include a list of you know, questions to ask for every personality type that you encounter at a party, because I think that's so important. You're the same questions you would ask me wouldn't be the same 
questions you'd ask, you know, the guy standing across the room. So you need to identify who you were talking to and then choose the question that starts conversation best. But I'll get back to that in a second. The other thing is charisma. So when you walk into a room, everybody kind of knows that person that they walk into the party and everyone wants to talk to them. Everybody knows who they are and they're not better looking. They're not better dressed. They're, you know, they're not better educated than anyone else, but what they are, they do, they are charismatic. They do have charisma. So I teach a lot about how to achieve charisma because it is learnable. So for instance, I always say, I like to teach that Charisma and charm is really evoking positive emotion in someone else, not just negative emotion, not any kind of emotion, evoking positive emotion. So when you first walk into that party, you have to, you don't want to have like the resting, your resting face that is unattractive that nobody wants to approach you. You want to have your eyes up, put your phone away. um, Because if you're looking down at your phone, you're not approachable. So you make yourself fully approachable gentle smile. And you want to, the first person you encounter, you want to make them feel good. So remember charisma is about evoking positive emotions. So a compliment, um, asking how somebody's week's been, whatever it is that makes that person feel good. And then you would roll into those conversation starters that I give to help anyone talk to, um, somebody that you meet at a party. And that's, that's really the start of it, but it's a whole process. Um, but that's kind of a few of the things that you can do. Wow, I didn't know that charisma is learnable. I thought it's just like you have it or you don't have it. Okay, so that is that is so commonly thought of. And what I like, how I like to explain this, I think you'll kind of really get this, is so there's IQ, there's and then there's EQ, right? So there's your emotional intelligence, which is your EQ, and then there's your IQ, which is your intellectual abilities, really, right? So IQ, you're you're kind of you're you know, you're you're kind of born with, right? Your IQ, um, you know, is something that is much harder to change. Your EQ, you can change. And that's what this whole entire book is about, is emotional intelligence, connecting with other people, and how to do that. And there's a there's actually a Harvard um, study, actually, uh, Harvard is, is a client of ours, um, the medical division. And so it's, I use this, um, I borrow this from them, but there's a Harvard Stanford study that says one success, particularly in the workplace is based 85% on your emotional intelligence and less than 15% technical skill set. So if you think about that, 85% of your success is your EQ and only 15% is your IQ. So you could be the smartest person in the room at that party, but if your emotional intelligence isn't on par or higher or almost as high as your IQ or higher, then you still have a lot to learn. So I would rather have a higher EQ than IQ any day. Wow, that's very interesting because I didn't know that. And you know, probably after... Like I haven't been at the party for so long and probably many of us can use these skills after yes. this lockdown. <laughs> it was like we became socially awkward. Everybody, everybody's saying the same thing. So you won't be alone. So if you feel that way, don't worry. Um, and you'll snap right back into it. And if not, I'm here to help. Yeah, great. <laughs> What are the main points for first date etiquette? Um, Okay. So here I always say for first date etiquette, you know, um, it's really important that you come off respectful. So I teach, you know, in all my courses and everything I do, all my webinars on my website, I kind of always say that etiquette's just about kindness and respect. 
for other people. That's all it is, you know, is, is, is watching out for other people's feelings. So I always think, you know, just to, for instance, you want to show effort on that date. So not to just roll out of bed and go on a date, even if you're not super excited about it, put effort into yourself because putting effort into yourself doesn't, isn't just about you feeling good. It's showing respect to the other person that you didn't just roll out of bed and that you put time into your appearance to show respect to that person. So I think it's presenting yourself in a positive way. I think it is, um, you know, just being respectful, making sure you're not just talking the whole time, asking the other person questions. Um, even if you know that person's not for you, not to end the date, you know, by like some, having your friend text you in the bathroom that you need to leave, like just being respectful and, um, understanding that that person has feelings too. So if you're not interested, that's okay. But, um, and definitely never ghosting someone if you're not interested after a date, they deserve a response. They deserve to know that you didn't hit it off, but that's okay. But I think it's fair to tell that person. Yeah, I think so too. I think also for everyone, first dates are always kind of a little bit awkward. Yeah, they all, I mean, I rarely was on a first date that wasn't awkward. So at least know the other person is probably just as nervous, if not more than you. Um, and sometimes I have like three, I always say you can have a back pocket free of three questions. You've already come prepared to ask, um, so that you don't have to like think on your feet to just start the conversation going. Yeah. And who do you think should pay on the first date and what lady should order? Okay. So I created, I have a whole entire YouTube video just on this topic because it's so important. Um, now I teach modern etiquette. So I believe gender equality, you know, I believe in, um, you know, I I'm quite about that. That being said, it's not about because two men could be on a date, two women could be on a date. What it is, is whoever is the host is the person that should pay. So for instance, the host is the person that invites you out on a date, that chooses the restaurant, that chooses the wine. So if it's a man that invites me out and he is the host, then he should pay. Um, if it's two women and the woman is the host, then she should pay. Um, you know, if it's two equal saying, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee, then you should both expect to pay. And I think that's, that's how I teach it. Um, but that being said, I always learned and my father from a very young age was like, you know, you always offer. So if you think you are being treated, if there is a guy taking me out on a date and he, um, you know, invited me out. Yes, I do hope he paid because he chose the restaurant. It was in his budget, you know, but I will always, I will always offer. I will always offer to contribute. And I think that's important. Now, if he chose the restaurant, he chose the wine, it was his budget, and then he takes my money. Well, you know, that's another thing. You have to be prepared for that. And that happened to me once. And then I knew I was never going to see him again. But I did pay my way. <laughs> and, uh, and then that was it. Because I was like, all right, no, I don't, I don't want to go out with somebody that would order the most expensive bottle of wine and then expect me to pay for it, you know? So, but I think it is important to at least offer so that you don't come across as expectant. Like you expect people pay, pay for you. I think that can rub people the wrong way. Well, what about like gentleman man manners as far as like guy is kind of stronger and provider and he is kind of, should show his attention to taking care of everything. Like kind of that way. What do you think about that? And also, on the other hand, some guys are like, well, you pick the restaurant, 
um, we can do dinner and such and such and you just pick the restaurant. Like what's in this case, what do you do? Well, if he still invited you out and he initiated it and he told you to pick the restaurant, then he's still the host. So he's still telling you, you pick the restaurant. I want to take you out. Um, I think, you know, usually you can, you can feel it out, but I think that most of the time it's, it's obvious if somebody's inviting you out or not, if you're the one saying, would you like to go out Would you know, then, then that's not him asking you out. And I would be careful about that. But I think, you know, I think a lot of it is cultural too. A lot of, a lot of men um, in different cultures do expect to take care of a woman. Um, so it's cultural. I think it's, it's, you know, um, if somebody, my husband on our first date, he was like, I'm treating you, please, please put away your wallet. Um, and you know, he, that's him. My husband pays, you know, that's, that's his thing. He pays for everything, um, on our dates. And then I would like treat him and have him come over and I would cook for him or things like that. So I think it's, it's beautiful. If somebody is generous and they have the means and they want to treat you, then you should always just be grateful and say, thank you. And it's fine for you to accept that if that's the relationship. But I think it's all about not being expectant that that person is always going to be picking up everything for you. I think that's what you have to be careful of. Oh, I see. And what do you think about using a cell phone at dinner and phone etiquette? Okay. So if you're going to a really nice place, um, then I would say, especially never, never cell phone use at the table. Like your cell phone should stay on vibrate or silent and in your handbag. And remember it's called a handbag, not a purse. Purse is for change. So in terms of sophisticated etiquette verbiage. And so it stays in your handbag or in your pocket, whatever it is. Um, if you have to make a call or you have to re- you're receiving a call, um, then you take it away from the table. So you say, please excuse me and just get up from the table and take it away from the table. And at anything nice, like a formal restaurant or anything like a really nice restaurant, then I know your, you know, salmon tartare could come out and look beautiful, but we don't take pictures at the table of our food. So I know that's super, um, <laughs> it's super it's common nowadays <laughs> because we, we have to we have yeah. to document and film every meal <laughs> exactly but i'm talking about at a nice restaurant like at a nice restaurant now if you're just at like a casual whatever you know restaurant or something like that then it's much more common to see people taking care of their food documenting you know their molten chocolate lava cake um with steam coming out of it Things like that. But I do think at a formal restaurant, you want to avoid taking pictures of your food. Yeah, I think. And I know that some of the like high Michelin star restaurants, they don't have Wi-Fi on that purpose. So people exactly. don't use their Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you know what it is? Etiquette is all about adjusting yourself to the situation you're in. So if you're at like, you know, a casual place or a barbecue place and a huge plate of ribs the size of your body comes to the table, they probably have a hashtag and like an Instagram logo on a card on the menu because they want you to take pictures to share it. And that's fine. Um, You know, I teach modern etiquette. I'm talking about formal etiquette. And that's where exactly as you're saying, um, that could be actually, I've been at a restaurant here in New York, which I won't name, where um, somebody actually came over to the table next to us and asked if they would put away their phones because people around them were uncomfortable that they were taking so many pictures and videos um, at a Michelin star restaurant. And they were asked to, to do that. So that could be, that would be so embarrassing if that ever happened to you. So you just want to avoid that and know, know where you are and kind of adjust yourself to show respect in the environment you are in. Yeah, but especially when you're a blogger and something pretty comes out, like 
is your <laughs> no <laughs> I hear you. I mean, now listen, if, if you're a vlogger and this is your livelihood, right? This is what you do. Then I think what I would do in that situation is I would say to the server, do you mind if I take a quick picture? And then they'll say, of course, of course. Um, but I always, you know, if you're not sure and it's a formal restaurant, just to do that. But sometimes for your livelihood, I have a friend who's a food blogger with hundreds of thousands of followers and um, she takes pictures of every food every single time we go out. But she always very politely asks the server, do you mind if I just take a quick video of this for my blog? And they love it, you know, or they say, you know, I've never heard them say no in front of me at least. But um, so if it's your position, I think it's perfectly fine to do it as long as you kind of just are respectful of the location and the people around you. Yeah. And what do you think of birthday gifts and thank you cards? Because, you know, like you said, it's cultural as well, but I'm, I was born in Russia and even here, when I celebrate my birthdays, I invite everyone and I always pay and I tell everyone when you come to a restaurant, to my party, you never pay. So I take care of everything. You just come up and show up and that's all. But of course, in American culture, it's different. You come to birthday party, you pay for your dinner, and you bring your presents. So, <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally cultural. When I was in London, you would never, um, you would never, yeah, you were exactly the same. You would be invited, and the, you would like the bill wouldn't even come to the table. The bill would be taken care of without us even seeing it come. So, I think you know, in America, I think you probably should not assume someone's taking care of it unless they tell you they are. Um, for my, I threw my husband's birthday party um, this past year and I, you know, invited everybody and I kind of said in a little evite, please be our guest um, to, you know, and I kind of be at the restaurant and everything like that. So Oh, sorry. This was two years ago. This is two years ago. Um, you know, and I gave, I told them, you know, please, you know, be my guest, be our guest. So it was very clear. And then, you know, everybody, nobody actually even offered because it was, it was known. I think if you, if you have the ability to pay for your guests, it's a really, really nice thing, but I don't think, you know, I think if you don't have the ability to, um, that your friends will understand that and maybe just choose something that is in the budget for everyone. So again, thinking about their people. So if your friends, if you are asking your friends to come celebrate you and you can't pick up the bill, just make sure it's within a reasonable amount that you think people could afford or whoever you are, you know, bringing, you know, it's not out of, out of something that will make them uncomfortable when the bill comes. Um, and especially if you're doing the ordering, if people are picking up the tab for you, um, never order, you know, the most expensive bottles of champagne or whatever it is. You just want to be really conscious that you're being respectful. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And also sometimes, like you said, um, I, when I did not have ability, I didn't celebrate yeah. my birthday because I always like to take care of everyone. And I didn't want to celebrate it if I would make people pay. But I mean, here it's normal, but it's just up to me. I mean, my personal choice. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same. I feel the same. Like, and, and one thing you could do, you could say to everybody, um, I remember like you could say, everybody meet me for, you know, um, in the, in the park and you bring sushi for everyone or a picnic, or you say, everyone comes to my home and you cook them dinner. You could do something like that. You could, you know, or let's just go for a stroll and I have like a bottle of wine. I'm bringing glasses for everyone. And yeah, you could do things like that too. But people do want to celebrate you. But I, I, I understand. I actually feel the same. I always 
I always treat um, where I'm able to. Yeah. And what do you think about thank you cards? Do anyone even still sending them? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, I think they're really important. And I think they're important because they, they add emphasis because nobody sends them anymore. So I have my own, I have stationery that I send and I usually, um, I, I send them out left and right. I think they're so impactful because people almost, you don't ever get them. So when you do, it's like that person took the time to, you know, to write you, to put a postage stamp on it, to send it to you. It wasn't just like a quick text or quick email. Like they actually took the time. And it's also, it also is just such a classy move. And it, you can choose stationery that represents you too. So my stationery is super like it, there's pink like poodles on it. And it's really, it's hilarious. It's kind of funny. And it has gold embedded, you know, like little, um, you know, pictures and it's funny and it's kitschy and I love it. And so it's almost like sending a little piece of me, um, to my friends and I love them. And I love thank you cards and I collect them whenever people send me pretty thank you cards. I I hang them up in my office. Um, so I, I highly recommend them. And if you're applying for a job, there's no better thing you can do than send a handwritten thank you letter. Um, that is so important and so impactful. And I think people don't do it. People just send emails. So you really stand out if you send a handwritten one. Yeah. It's like an extra nice gesture. Right. It's tangible in a world where we don't have anything tangible anymore. Everything's electronic. It's really nice to receive something like that and make sure it's good quality paper. Yeah. And also, you know, it's most, it's so common that people are calling like, honey or sweetie someone in public like doctor's offices or just somewhere in other places <laughs> do you think it's acceptable you know i think i think that it's very dependent on this on the scenario in place but i think people you people use words of affection or terms of endearment because they want to show you they care that's why they're doing it they want to you know they're trying to be likable so i think if you like deconstruct the reason why they're using it it is a very sweet thing. Um, I think for professionalism wise, I, when I do trainings at, you know, a hospital or a law firm or a bank, we always say don't use those terms professionally because it can make people feel uncomfortable. A woman at a doctor's office who calls a girl honey when she sits down is one thing, but if a male does it, suddenly it could be considered sexual harassment. So it's, it's dangerous. It's a slippery slope. So I will say avoid it. Um, if it happens to you, you know, if you can choose in, in the scenario what you want to do. But I think most people, you know, at the grocery store yesterday, somebody called me honey and I thought she was so sweet. She was like this little old lady. Um, I think younger people calling older people pet names and terms, I think are less appropriate. So if, you know, I have a student who's 20 years old and she calls me honey, um, that's almost seen as a disrespect. So you have to make sure that it's appropriate and it feels right to use those terms with somebody else. Yeah, I had one story one time. I was so upset at my boyfriend because we were on the plane and he's picking up somebody's luggage, you know, from overhead bin. And he's saying like, here you go, honey, here's your luggage. I was like, what? What did you call? <laughs> he was like, it was totally innocent. I was like, yeah, well, it didn't sound like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just have to know who you're talking to, who you're around you know, is it going to come off as respectful to everyone around you or is it going to be seen as disrespectful? It's a fine line. So when in doubt, don't use them. Um, 
I, you know, I, I think I call my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, sweetheart. And, but would I call a client that? No. Yeah, I think so too. And regarding resume and interview, what are the main etiquette points we should remember? Okay. So with resumes, I would say some of the biggest faux pas are actually um, including your photo on a resume um, for any kind of corporate work or something more formal, because it's almost like you're using your photo to try to open doors. Um, so be careful there. Resume should be one page. Um, you want to have clear black ink. You want to um, make sure that everything is organized, same font, same, you know, everything margin wise is neat. Um, have somebody cross check it, look it over. I think LinkedIn profiles now are often more used than even resumes. So your LinkedIn profile in my business etiquette book, I list the top faux pas. Um, it's a whole page of things not to ever do on your LinkedIn profile. Everything from the type of photo you should have on LinkedIn to, you know, what, how long your title should be and how large your image should be. There's so many do's and don'ts. Um, that after working with lots of HR companies and teams from all over the world, I think has become clear common practice. So just be very careful. Um, but a lot of this information is out there and you can, with a little bit of research, you can kind of learn best practices, but um, those would be some of my tips there to follow. Great. And what are the main etiquette points for couples? So for couples, I think um, one of the biggest ones that I can think of is never to correct your partner in front of other people. So for instance, if you are sitting at a dining table and your partner reaches across and eats something with their hands that should have been eaten with a fork and knife, to be like, oh, seriously, use your fork or like learn some manners will embarrass that person. And instead, you should have afterwards in private said, hey, I just want to point out when you reached across the table and picked it up with your hands, you really should be using a fork right now. Um, and then like for you, if like you probably so wanted to um, say something or embarrass or like who knows how you felt in that moment of like where you were angry at your boyfriend on the plane. And I don't know if you said something to him or not, but in, like some, some people might be like, are you kidding me in front of that person he called honey? But instead in a very quiet manner, I would have taken him to the side or later, or just very quietly express my displeasure instead of making a scene. So I think that's something um, there, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's about respect. It's all about, would you want that done to you? You know, there are so many double standards for gender, especially in relationships. So just always knowing, um, you know, thinking ahead, you know, walking a mile in someone else's shoes is, is the expression, but always making sure that you're not doing anything disrespectful. Um, my husband and I have a rule where we can, you know, say he's out for boys night or I'm out for girls night. It doesn't matter. Have, have as much fun as you want. Go, you know, go out, have fun. But if, you know, you're going to be past 1 a.m., then just send me a text, send me an email so I know you're okay. And so we, we have like ground rules like that for like as a couple and as a family, but that we had when we were dating too. And um, so just, I think, set boundaries and follow them and be respectful of them. I think, you know, is going through his phone going to be a deal breaker or is he okay with that? Then you should expect that he's going to go through your phone. So just, 
you know, little things like that. I think you have to be careful of and, and set boundaries for. Actually talking about phones, what do you think in relationships or in marriage? Should you keep like passwords on your phone? Like my mom and my stepdad, they never have passwords. They can use each other's phone. On the other hand, I have some people that are having 10 digit password <laughs> in their phones. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it depends on how new you are in the relationship. I know my husband, all my husband's passwords and he knows all mine. Um, I keep passwords on my phone in case somebody steals my phone, but I think, you know, I don't care if at any time he wanted to grab my phone, he could. Um, I think, you know, it's, what is it that you're hiding? What is it that you don't want that person to see? But at the same time, if the trust isn't there and you don't want that person to have your, you know, login detail, then you should not give it to them. It's, it's, it's just a matter of your relationship and your boundaries and, I think it depends very much on the couple and on the person. There are some people, I have a girlfriend who's been dating her boyfriend for over a year and they still don't know each other's passwords and she likes it like that. She was like, I have girl chats and I have WhatsApp groups and I don't want him knowing that I was mad at him last week and he didn't you know, do something and that I was talking to my girlfriends about it. So it's, it's you know, it really is dependent on, on each couple. Um, but again, just to be super respectful and not to say, you have to give me your password, but I'm not giving you mine. That to me doesn't work. So it's something that, um, that, you know, it's establishing trust, but hopefully a trust is established without forcing someone to give you a password. You know, that's just something, I don't know, that I think is a given sort of, but teach his own. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and what do you think if someone is crossing the line, like, for example, in the store or restaurant and you politely putting out their mistake and they still continue, and like, what is the solution in this case? Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. I think, you know, I always say, I will say something once. So this in in New York city, you can imagine this happens all the time. So I'll say, Oh, actually the lines back, back here is what I'll say. If somebody just literally cuts in front of me or I'll say, Oh, actually, excuse me. Sorry. I was waiting. You know, excuse me. The line, like I'll point it out. I'm not, I'm not a pushover, but at the same time I say it respectfully. I think if you make something a big deal, it becomes a big deal. So if you say it disrespectfully, like, oh, hey, get back, you know, and like, <laughs> you yell at the person, I think that they're going to respond in a bad way. If you've said it respectfully and they choose to ignore it, then I might say it one more time, like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, to try to get their attention. Now, if, if after that they don't respond, that means they are choosing to ignore you. I mean, I would probably personally leave it it's, if it's just one person and everyone around you probably also heard that and, and maybe somebody else will say something to them. I would probably say, say it once or maybe twice if I wasn't sure they heard it and after that, I'd just drop it. Um, and people are disrespectful and there are a lot of disrespectful people out there and you can't help what they do, but you can help your response and your reaction to that person. And if you escalate it or let it escalate fast, it could, something that is so simple and so silly, like budding in line could really turn into something huge and like a road rage incident in a matter of seconds. And it's just not worth it. That's my theory is I was like, is this worth it? No, I have to wait another two minutes in line. Um, and that person, you know, I believe in karma. So that's kind of, that's kind of always my thing. Yeah. I was surprised by Southern hospitality when I came from Russia to Atlanta. <laughs> Yes. Yes. How did you find, were you, you know, what was your impression? Where, was it just, you were so like not used to it or were you like, wow, this is amazing. What was your kind of impression? 
I was just surprised why random people telling me, hi, how are you? <laughs> of course, they all give compliments and everything, but sometimes men give compliments in front of their wife or in front of girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. But then you know what's so funny is I grew up in the South and I am used to everybody talking, everybody saying hello. And, and then I remember coming to New York City and if you would sit next to somebody and start talking to them they would you know at first depending on who they were they, they might look at you like you had two heads like yes can I help you and I was like I'm just saying hi you know so it was it's an adjustment but it's definitely cultural and I kind of like it I miss it I really miss it and I still say hi to everybody but um <laughs> I do miss southern hospitality I think it's a warm it's it's about warmth right it's like a it's a nice feeling of inclusion Yeah. And on the other hand, I've experienced the worst situations because, I mean, the way I dress, they usually stand out. And some women usually get jealous and they want to attack me. I've been attacked in the store a few times. I mean, not physically, but verbally. <laughs> just for no reason. But I just kind of do because, I mean, they're crazy people all over anyway. So yeah. I just thought the person had a bad day and I didn't, I was shocked to the point that I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah. I think in that, in that moment, you've done the right thing. Ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. It's, it's, you know, for you to show back or whatever, remember, like, keep it classy, stay calm. It's clearly somebody, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of issues and are very unhappy people. You did the right thing because by you stooping down to their level and yelling something back, um, does nothing and only is going to escalate the situation and draw more attention to it. So when that happens, you know, anything like that happens to me, that's what I do too. I just ignore it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's so uncomfortable and it can be embarrassing and it's, you know, but you just have to remember just like, keep it, just keep it classy, keep walking. And, you know, again, karma, and they clearly have mental issues or issues of their own that, you know, they need to address and it's not your issue it's theirs yeah and what is the best advice you ever received I think the best advice I ever received was to be financially independent um I think um growing up as a young girl and moving to the city and then I met my husband in my 20s and you know it was really easy just to kind of be comfortable and think that you know things were going to be fine my whole life. And I think my dad from a really young age was like, be your own boss, earn your own money, you know, be independent, have your, like, know your finances. And I have so many friends, um, to this year alone that have either, you know, well, they both have been separated and they didn't know, um, how their bills were paid, how their mortgages were paid, who paid for their, how did their Uber bill get paid every month? And it just like, and they were devastated and everything was taken, taken away from them in a flash of a second. And, um, I've just, just kind of been watching that and these women rebuilding from nothing. And I think it's really important to, if you are a stay at home mom or you don't work and somebody is, you know, you know, is contributing to your lifestyle. I think it's really important to, you know, to, to know that all of that can be gone in a second. And so that was something I learned from a really young age and I am, it's so liberating and it's so empowering to make your own money, have your own savings 
and not always rely on other people. Yeah, you know, I've had the same. My grandpa told me when I was a kid that rely only on yourself. <laughs> I started working since I was 13. Yes, and it's exactly, and it's it's a scary thing. And you might be in a relationship, you might be thinking, hearing this now, being like, oh, you know, nothing's, I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that, heard that, and then things don't end up the way that, you know, people hope. So I just think it's an empowering thing. And it's, you know, if people, if you are in a marriage or relationship and somebody does financially take care of more things than you, then that's, that's absolutely fine if that's the, you know, but I do think um, just to always make sure you are in charge of your own financial success. And if right now somebody's kind of helping you out might be the case, but in the future, if that's gone tomorrow, if all disappears tomorrow, what do you do just to have a plan and to, to be to understand finances and understand what things cost and to understand that, you know, you should be um, in charge of your own life and and not somebody else telling you what to spend and how to spend it. It's really empowering. So that's probably the best advice I ever received and have a savings account. Yeah, that's a great advice. And where can our listeners find you, your social handles or information? So I am, I am on Instagram, of course, and all social media kind of. So I'm under Micah Meyer. So it's M-Y-K-A-M-E-I-E-R. And I, I'm probably best known for my kind of 10 second videos on how to videos. So like, how to eat spaghetti, um, which is, for instance, never to twirl in a spoon or, you know, how to stir coffee. It's not around and around. It's 12 o'clock to six o'clock. So I do like fun little um, videos to pop culture to like Cardi B songs. Um, so I do those. So you can learn a new lesson every day. Also, my website is beaumontetiquette.com and I do webinars, um, different things like that. I have online learning videos. And I have a YouTube account um, for free videos and free instruction, of course, my books. And you can always come see me at the Plaza Hotel, which should be opening, fingers crossed, very soon. Um, but I'd love to, to see and to, to meet everybody. And, and if you want to learn, um, I'd love, love, love to, to help out. Great. Thank you so much, Micah. It was amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. And I cannot wait to share this with all of my followers because I know they're going to love you. So thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest. That was all for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening Not Basic Blonde podcast. Just to remind you, Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms. And you can always reach out to me on Instagram. It's notbasicblonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy your day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.